Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This is a special episode of Popcorn Podcast where we sit down with the creative directors of Spire Animation Studio, Sean Krauss, Michael Surrey and Ted Mathot. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And this episode, we are talking to three incredibly talented gentlemen, Sean Krauss, Michael Surrey and Ted Mathot, about the newly launched Spire Animation Studio. Now, a little bit on Spire Animation Studios first before we launch into our chat. Mm. Spire is the newly formed feature animation studio co-founded by award-winning producer Brad Lewis, who has been involved in projects such as Ratatouille, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, The Lego Batman Movie, Finding Nemo, Cars 2 Mm. and Ants, just to name a few, and also industry entrepreneur PJ Gunziger. Now, Spire has created a new way to produce animated movies more seamlessly by building a real-time workflow and state-of-the-art engine that is just game-changing in filmmaking. It's giving creators the freedom and control to deliver cutting-edge content, interactive experiences and immersive virtual worlds, perfect for this time when we're working remotely all over the world. Yeah, it couldn't be more better timed. Uh, So we sat down with the creative directors of Spy Animation Studios, Sean Krauss, 
who is creative director for animation and story, Michael Surrey, story and animation creative director, and Ted Mathot, who's the creative director for development, to talk about what sets them apart from their competitors. Yeah, so they shared their ambitions, what success looks like for the studio, and revealed to us details about their two films that they have in development, The Century Goddess and Trouble, starring Danny McBride. Let's take a listen. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with Popcorn Podcast today. I was wondering if you could tell me what is unique about Spire Animation and what sets it apart from other animation studios? Well, I, what I, well the reason I think it was exciting for me and I, I probably Mike and Ted as well is that we're getting back, to, we have a very small scrappy team right now. And I think ultimately Brad and PJ aren't looking to be a really enormous studio. He want, they want to keep it sort of a boutique size. And the great thing about that is that you, you have a real sense of ownership when you come in and, you, and, and you're working on it. You, you make a diff, you feel like you make a difference on what you're putting together. And um, you don't sort of work in, this is what you do. That's the one thing you do. You kind of get to jump the fence a lot and learn and use all of your, your abilities and skills, not just the one thing that you maybe specialize in. I don't know if Ted and Mike, you want to elaborate on that or... I totally agree. You know, I, it's been so long since I've been part of a scrappier studio, you know, starting small and, you know, being able to sort of have eyes on, on all the different aspects of the production. You know, for me, that's what's new. I mean, I'm only six weeks in so far. So I'm, I'm the baby of the group, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I've worked with Brad Lewis before uh, many years ago on Ratatouille and we had a great relationship on that. So naturally I was excited to, to join up with him and, and make the kind of movies, you know, that we're both interested in seeing, you know, I mean, the whole group is interested in seeing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an exciting group to join. I mean, to what Ted and Sean are saying, it's a small group, but very experienced, which is exciting to know that you're going into a brand new venture with a lot of knowledge and that's sort of comforting going into a brand new pipeline, brand new ideas, and knowing that you can sort of jump around a little bit more and play in other areas that we normally never get to play in with the big studio system, you end up sort of getting siloed into you do this, you do this, you do this. But the fact that we can move around a little bit more uh, and have a voice in different departments has been really refreshing. You sound like a bunch of kids in a candy store, that's for sure. Pretty much. And mom said, take whatever you want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you didn't need to ask dad. Mom said yes straight away. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mom rules. How were you approached by founders Brad Lewis and PJ Gonzaga to join Spire? Well, I think we've all worked with Brad at one point in his career and our career, but I worked with Brad on How to Train Your Dragon. And that's where I first met him. And he came in at the end to help finish the movie, uh, producing it. And, you know, immediately Brad has an influence of how he likes the things to run. And it's very refreshing, you know, very collaborative kind of atmosphere that he created. You know, I just enjoyed working with him in that, in that period. And as he was moving on, he was like, you know, he dropped these little like, hey, I want to talk to you next week about something. I got something brewing in the future. And I'm like, okay, sure, Brad. And then months would pass. And then finally you're sitting down with them and he slowly was giving the little nuggets of what Spire was to be for me. And when he came calling for real, I was like, hmm, oh, okay, maybe, yeah, maybe this is a good time to make the jump. And what about you, Ted? You're fresh. Six yeah, months so, um, <laughs> Sean and I had been working alongside each other for 
20 plus years at Pixar, my whole time that I was at Pixar, Sean was there. So he reached out to me, was my first contact with Spire and, you know, told me about Brad Lewis's involvement and PJ's involvement. And one of the two movies that they were interested in me working on called Trouble. And it really grabbed me that idea. And um, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit uh, during this, but, um, you know, it was those things combined, you know, uh, Sean being there, Brad being there, and also the experienced people, like Mike said, that they were getting together for this team. And it was a group. I'm like, yeah, I think I should throw in with these guys. This sounds like it's going to be something good. And what about you, Sean? What was your journey to enter Spire? Yeah, similarly, I had worked with Brad. He uh, promoted me to um, supervise the animator for the first time when on Cars 2. And so a- after that film, we I lost touch for a while. And then when I saw he was um, producing How to Train Your Dragon and um, 3, and my kids were gaga over all those films. So I, I kind of you know got back in touch saying, hey, we're going to be first in line. My kids can't wait. So we started talking and through the conversations, I, I'd expressed a, a restlessness and wanting to do more. And he was, you know, doing other things on the side. So when the the thing started happening with Spire, naturally the conversation started happening and we started talking and one thing led to another. And I was really excited that, you know, he, he was saying, you know, what do you want to do? And so when we started discussing that, it led to the current situation. So again, it kind of all these, a lot of roads lead through Brad. And Michael, you alluded to something was brewing in the future when you were speaking to Brad now. I wonder if you guys have some kind of magic eight ball over at Spire, because I'm thinking how well your business model is set up for a COVID world and collaborating remotely on projects. Uh, Yeah. I I wish we were, I wish he was, if he, if he knows that much of the future, then I'm not leaving Brad's side ever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think the model sort of certainly back when I met Brad, I mean, it was pretty much the idea to get a studio somewhere and we would all collect still stay small, not like be this massive studio, but obviously I think he was still thinking a model of being in-house somewhere. But the way things obviously went out, went throughout the world is, you know, you work remotely and it didn't really affect us as, as it did actually a lot of the big studios seemed to function pretty well with everybody being at home. And it benefited us a lot because we were able to just, because we were just getting our feet sort of grounded as to like, what do we, where do we want to be? What's our model like? physically like where do we want to set up shop and so this has sort of given us some time to sort of figure out what that what that'll look like once this is all behind us we're spread out now in three different locations you know remotely people here in LA people up in the bay area and then we have a group in India so we are thinking well maybe that's not a bad model to continue to have but still unknown and what's the, what's the new technology that you're using at Spire that helps you facilitate what you do? Well, I don't know if it's just one single thing. I think the the difference is, um, again, a lot of times for the phenomenal work that all the, the bigger places uh, are doing, um, a lot of places pride themselves on proprietary software. Again, there's been a seismic shift, right, in the in the entertainment industry and, and filmmaking and what it means to make these films and, and the price tag on them. So I think... The, the fact that we are building this from the ground up and we can embrace disparate ways of working from day one. So it's not just things like, you know, using sync sketch, let's say, to, to work with each other, um, using the Unreal Engine uh, down the road. We're still building into that. We used it a bit 
when we were working on a, on a test we had done. Um, so that's, we're really hopeful that that's really gonna become a great way of working. What, I'm trying to think what else we, we were utilizing besides, I mean, just working from afar and using Zoom all the time and using Slack and, and making these part of the way we work from, from, from day one. And then being, the, being able to build a, a new pipeline that is plug and play. We don't have to write, you know, turn a ship that's been going in one direction for, you know, how many years we get to sort of say, let's try this. No, let's try that and mix things and mix and match and look at other companies that specialize in making these tools. I mean, why, let's say Photoshop, like, like why try to reinvent Photoshop when someone does that so well and they're dedicated to that? Yeah, absolutely. And you guys all come from incredible pedigrees, We're kind of listed off a few already from Disney, uh, DreamWorks, and, and of course, Pixar. Michael, you worked for many years as a storyboard artist. How much easier is your job with the technology that you're working with here now? You kind of like, oh, I wish we had this when, uh, when you were doing that earlier. Well, Photoshop, I wish we had Photoshop when I first started doing story because <laughs> I was just drawing on paper and pinning up. I'm sure Ted had the same experience, you know, pitching the old school, pin it up, unpin it, you know, the physical act of just getting everything in order to rolling in boards into a meeting and pitching it. I mean, to me, that's been the biggest change. It's just technically that you're drawing on a, on a screen and you can pitch it sort of like you were showing slides in a TV screen. I had the benefit of working with Glenn Keane at that time when the studio, at least Disney, was transitioning heavily into the digital side. But Glenn was sort of very much hands-on 2D drawing. That's what he liked when he was doing uh, directing Rapunzel before it became Tangled. <clears throat> but we would draw everything out on the Cintiq and Photoshop, pitch it digitally, but he would have everything that you did pinned up. So you'd get printed out and pinned up. So after you pitched it, you would have to, he could still visually go through like you, like we used to and still look at the drawings and go, oh, you know, what if we cut here and he could draw and pin over stuff. So your notes that you would get from your sequence would be those big boards with his drawings on it, panels pinned down, and then you would wheel that off to your cubicle to start, you know, refreshing, like, okay, what were the notes again? Oh yeah, get rid of that, get rid of that. So there hasn't been, I think, massive changes, at least for me, uh, making that transition. No wheeling of things anymore, I guess. No, just my chair, just my chair <laughs> from this screen to that screen. The scoot, the, the chair <laughs> yeah, scoot. The scoot. Yeah, the scoot, yeah. Ted, what is your ambition at Spire? You're, you're new to the team. What do you want to see achieved there? I just want to have fun. You know, I mean, that's the thing that we want to bring it back to is getting a group of people together with a lot of experience, building teams, working together and just having fun making movies. You know, I, I, my main goal is to just make stories that people care about. You know, I don't care, you know, what genre they're in or who the characters are or what the worlds are. You know, at the end of the day, I want to be at a place where people feel something. You know, and that's what the studio wants to do. You know, that's what Brad wants to do. That's what we all want to do. And for me to jump into a company that is just, you know, in its nascent stages was really exciting to me. So the end goal, there's not a lot of details. There's not a lot of specifics to it. When somebody walks out of the theater, I don't want them to go, hey, where are we going to go eat? Because to me, if, <laughs> if that's the first thing out of their mouth, then, you know, we haven't done our jobs. So Making people care about the characters is uh, is job number one. 
Yeah, couldn't agree more. I watch a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes featurettes on how films come together, obviously, film podcast, and I agree. You want to have fun. I see how much fun you guys have, like your industry and, and you know, your wider teams have on these projects. And speaking of uh, projects, uh, can you tell me a little bit about the two films in development, so Century Goddess and Trouble with Danny McBride? Well, I'll take Century Goddess. So it's a story, basically, it's, a, it's sort of a very personal story to Brad because he... When he was, when his daughter was really young, he used to sing with his daughter and they would sing together and it would just be a ritual that they had. So obviously she's, as everybody, they grow up and she's now off her way to her college, literally this weekend. So he is wanted to make a movie that sort of capsulates that father-daughter relationship. So Century Goddess is, is sort of that journey of a girl growing into being a teenager but with this massive gift of song and music, but it's on a level that's, you know, to make it interesting and make it more fun to watch. It's just on a high level of like, it can change people's lives, change worlds. So she lives in a, now it's stated in a Southeast Asian fictitious country under suppression uh, where obviously anything creative is forbidden. So they have to do everything quietly. Now as a baby, it's more of a game to her, but as she gets older, teenagers like, well, why am I, this is stupid. This is dumb. I want to, why can't we just sing? Why are we doing? And of course she breaks the rules and it causes her father to be taken from, from them. And they don't know where he went. And this has happened to numerous people within their country and within their village. It takes her on a journey basically to find out kind of who she is. And in that journey, she discovers that she's got this gift as a century goddess. What does that mean to her? She doesn't know yet but it will become clear at the end of the story where she eventually will reunite with her father and liberate him and the country at the same time. So it's, it's got a lot of magical moments. It's got music in it that's, that's not your normal musical. It's trying to be a little bit on the Hamilton side or spoken word kind of. And it's got more songs, I think, than the normal animated movie would have in it so that's sort of a you know it's just trying to figure out what the right chemistry is to make that movie sing if i could say that (laughs) 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 well you certainly have me excited about that and i think we can all relate to coming of age stories as well so i'm really looking forward to seeing that and who wants Mm -hmm. to take the reins to talk to me about trouble with danny mcbride the trouble was more of a kind of a concept that that brad had come up with because will come up with their experience. Uh, he was talking about like when we're growing up, he'd get in trouble and, you know, everyone around the world, kids, you know, you, you cause trouble when you're growing up testing limits. And so his thing was, what if trouble wasn't just a threat? What, what if trouble was a place? So he and Danny worked together and they, and they uh, came up with this great um, story about uh, a kid who is out, you know, out in the real world, like all kids, you know, he gets in trouble. And then once he gets in trouble, he gets whisked into sort of an Oz-like dimension, a different place that is the land of trouble. And it's a ton of fun, um, but there's more to it. It can't just be, you go off and have a great time and a hilarious movie. You want it to have real stakes and real uh, emotion. So of course you're going to go there and he's going to meet these, you know, wild, you know, other characters that are in there. And it's, we find that's not just, you know, that people who get in trouble, you know, pets get in trouble. So uh, it's, it's, it's a whole other world of like kind of finding your finding your limits and then having to come to terms and earn your way out so in the end you know the, you know they it, it kind of it has this great for me it feels more like when I, you know growing up like a, a guardians of the galaxy or ghostbusters kind of 
fun uh, element to it. We don't have to like make a, a movie a certain way. Like we don't have to say this is like a like a Disney film. This is like a Pixar film. It's like we 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 get we have this opportunity to take things maybe a little further than most places, but make it really fun for the whole family to come enjoy. Well, I might have to take uh, notes because I find myself getting into trouble still from time to time <laughs> in my early 30s. I might learn a thing or two. Um, yeah. Gentlemen, I'm going to wrap up with two final questions. I really appreciate your time today. What does success look like for Spire Animation? Wow. Uh, I guess Ted's turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I have my own ideas of what success is, you know, that I touched on a little bit earlier, you know, again, I think, you know, making films that have lasting power is really important. You know, of course, you know, box office or revenue or subscribers is the new model now, you know, of course is important because that's what allows us to do our work. But for me, at the end of the day, you know, you want people to care about the characters, remember the characters, identify and empathize with, you know, the stories that are unfolding on screen. So it's really a combination of those two things. It's art and commerce combining together to me is, is what, you know, a successful film is. I mean, what Ted said earlier is very true for me is, is I just want to be in a place to have fun. And I think Spire will offer that for anybody that joins us to work on the movies in, a, in the way of just making fun animated films and enjoy the journey of making them. Obviously, we want the film or the studio to be a successful business. But if you were to ask me what success is for Spire, it would be the obvious one. Yes, you want to be a successful business, but to be making movies that are fun and that people walk away from, like Ted said earlier, and not wondering what they're going to eat, but more like, wow, it was a great movie. Like, it really makes me think about, you know, whatever the conversation would be afterwards. If you can get there with what we're doing, I think that would be considered a successful studio. And I'd, I'd add just on, on, a, on a studio level, another uh, way of, of, of uh, judging the success of it is how much fun do the, do, does our team have together? How, how satisfied do they feel that they contributed? You know, do they feel like we're all building these films feature to feature and that we're embracing, we truly are embracing, doing it differently, embracing, you know, what it means to uh, um, live in, or work in a, an environment where you don't necessarily have to be there every single day, all day. You get to kind of uh, have that flexible uh, work from home, but come into the office because that's really important as well. Dynamic, you know, not be beholden to one place. You can kind of live in other places and and really, you know, the genie's out of the bottle now. So we have this this great opportunity to say this works. This does work. So how can we keep going with this and, and make these uh, fantastic movies? Well, I think you're already finding layers of that success already. And I hope that that continues for you guys. Now, one final question in, in wrapping up, how would you describe Spire Animation in three words? I might start with you, Ted. Mm. Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, Trauma of science class, ninth grade. Oh. Yeah, three words. Um, I will share your results after this call. To see how you <laughs> yeah, well, it's fun so far. These fire, I can come up with better adjectives given more time. Um, <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's super fun for me so far. So I would say that's one of them. It's forward thinking in terms of new technologies. I know that's two words, but it's hyphenated. So, <laughs> and then the last one is, I'm really bad at these things, distilling things. Um, Three words, yeah. 
Sorry. It's, it's invigorating. I'll say that just from a personal, yeah, mine. just a personal perspective. I have not been in this kind of creative environment in a very long time where it's a small group moving really fast. And I know Sean mentioned, you know, the analogy of the sort of like the aircraft carrier trying to turn around versus a speedboat. Right now we're the speedboat. So we can turn on a dime, you know, we're very flexible and uh, there it is. Love that. Michael, <laughs> no hyphenated words. Your three. All right. Refreshing, artistic, fun. There we go. Ooh, <laughs> so that you get to go second. You get time to yeah, think. Yeah, you had time to think. <laughs> I would say opportunity, potential, and independence. I love that, guys. What a great way to wrap up this chat. I really appreciate your time. It's been a real, real privilege to chat to you all. Yeah, you too. Thank, yeah. You. Thank you, Tim. Thank you so much. You're welcome. What a great chat, Tim. I just love the way they described this up-and-coming studio as a scrappier studio. You know, it means they have more control over the creative elements involved and that can only be a good thing. Such passion and experience in those three guys and it was such a privilege to chat to them and have a look under the hood in their process and and what they've got uh, in development. It was really awesome. Keep your eye out because we can't wait to see what's going to come out of this Spire Animation Studio. All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Come and join in the conversation. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Popcorn Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.